Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my private beta thoughts about Division 2. Said that the game felt good, liked a lot of the changes in the inner working systems, but did have concerns about the game. I will do another talk about the end game as well. Let's jump right into the questions because this is the third question and answer session of the day and I want to jump right in. Night 50. After playing games like Anthem and Destiny, do you feel the Division 2 is too slow? Also, are you concerned that the raid might not be up to par? I'm not going to speculate about the raid not being up to par. I don't know what I would base that off of, but I will say that I will say that when it comes to the feel of Division, it owns its identity. When it's like, oh, it's too slow, you know, the feel of Anthem and Destiny... I think the game's owning its identity. I do think abilities being more pronounced would help with pacing. Now, you're talking about slow. You might be in agreement with me then that abilities should be showing up more often and be more influential. And if they were more influential, the pacing would be better. If if you're getting bogged down in cover and not able to advance in the harder content because like you you run out of abilities, you run out of your signature ammo or whatever, that's I think that's part of the problem. And I think abilities having better cooldowns and more influence would help with that. So again, you're feeling that 50-50 split. Your guns are a very prominent piece of the combat, but so are your abilities, so is your tech. That way, pacing doesn't get bogged down and, and, and unfun. Because people are like, well, it needs, you don't want to feel like a super soldier. And I'm like, I, I actually do think you, do, you should feel like a super soldier. I think that's the whole point is that you have advanced technology and that's how, what that's what makes you stand apart from the from the mobs and the and the gangsters. Slice of Jake. Do you really feel like Division 2 is a substantial upgrade from Div 1? It feels akin to Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, more of a lateral move. Here's the thing, I I think if you're going to say this, you need to say why it feels that way. I think the new setting, the graphical upgrade, the lighting, the colors is a huge shift from what Div 1 felt like aesthetically. Then when it comes to combat, everything has a quicker TTK. It's way less spongy, okay? So that that right there changes the both the aesthetic and the flow of the game. Now, as far as the guns and the movement being similar, yes, it's it's a sequel. That's that has to happen to an extent. We're not going to be running around with future weapons. That's what the tech is there for. That's why I think the tech should be more prevalent, more consistent, and more influential because that's the future aspect of the game. We're not running around with futuristic laser guns and and boom boom sticks. We're running around with weapons that are modern technology based, right? The Nubius, thank you so much for the the resub or the or the prime sub. So, for for me, I I feel like Seek, it feels like a sequel. It felt it felt like a sequel. A whole new city, a whole new map, a whole new base of operations, a new system interwoven for the base of operations. I felt like the public events, the spa- the, the things I was doing felt new, felt fresh. You know, I, I don't know. I think there's an underlying sense of games. It feels the same. That's automatic and, and expected, and you can't use that as a negative. That to me is, it's backwards. Um, so I, if people feel that way and it's a turnoff for them, then I don't necessarily know if you were a big fan of division one. I think people that maintain their fandom and their excitement about division one are going to love this game. People on the fence are either going to be won over by the feel of the game or they're not. 
that's why I've continued to say abilities would be the key in doing that. If you got into this game and hit the ground running and had some type of a, a launcher ability or the drone or the seeker mines, if they would have been significantly stronger and showing up more often, I think a lot of people would have been like, this is clearly different than Division 1. Like, they're dying faster from my guns. When something tanky shows up, I've got a really great ability I can, I can throw out that's really consistent and really strong. And look how fast it comes back. That's why I think abilities are key, because I think the people that are on the fence about what division feels like, I think they would be won over by the presence of abilities, and you wouldn't hurt the identity of the game at all to say, we're more advanced now. We've got more advancements. The things are coming. We're we're upgrading our tech from the last game because we're in a better city. We're in a better base of operations. I think that would be completely legitimate to the game's identity, feel, and flow. And would be you'd stand a better chance to win over the the fence riders. The people that hated Div One are gonna hate Div Two, just like the people that didn't like Destiny One are gonna hate Destiny Two. Like that's just you're not gonna win though you're not gonna win over those people. Why even care about them? Frankie Lono, I ran into a lot of textures not loading or loaded in late. Do you think this problem will persist in the game or they'll fix it before launch? Day one div player, so I'm kinda worried about seeing technical problems this close to release. Well, I mean, that's what... Anytime you're playing a beta, you're playing an older build. And server-side issues could have been leading to that. I ran into nothing like that at all. So, if if you're worried because of technical issues, that's the whole reason they do these betas. There could be something as as simple as a texture draw glitch that was leading to that that they could patch very easily. It could have also been the servers being overloaded. You know, too many people on the servers is just leading to things being, things loading in late and there being latency and that could have been what it was. Like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that concerned. Uh, you know, it's it, a lot of times when they do this, they're, they're older builds. A lot of things they anticipated they knew were coming. So I would imagine a lot of those things would be uh, fixed. Star Panda. If I couldn't get into Div 1, will Div 2 change my mind or is it more of the same? I just answered your question. If you just did not like Division 1, I would maybe watch streams for a little bit and see if the gameplay captures you because I don't think this game is that far removed from Division 1 that you're going to be like, totally different game, man. I love it. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I think it's close enough to Division 1 that if you absolutely loathed and didn't like Division 1, I don't think you're going to like this one. I love Division 1's campaign. I love survival. I, there was a, pretty much everything else I was not a fan of. So that's why I, I found this game very easy to get into, even in the beta, just clearing the map and stuff. Wolf Howl Games. I feel like I feel the end game was about removing what the player could do therefore inflating difficulty like long skill cooldown or pulse jammers pulse jammers that stop abilities altogether do you feel this is a bad way of end game content compared to the way anthem combo mechanic this is what i said this morning that i can people like well you can't prejudge the end game and i was like yes i can and i'll tell you why number one i got to play it number two everything scales okay so if in the early game and in that first iteration of the end game, it was very obvious that abilities weren't showing up that often, they were not super influential, everything scales. So if they're not that influential and they're weak in the beginning of the game, that's going to scale. 
Now, someone might say, but Lono, if you upgrade those things, they will be significantly stronger. Well, as far as I could see in the end game, when I was throwing down turrets and using those abilities that had been, I would be assuming that they had been leveled up and invested in, they didn't feel any different. They weren't coming back any at any noticeably you know faster rate and as this question points out a lot of the end game was reliant upon surprise attacks that took a ton of damage from you or different things that take away your abilities emps from the little like walker like tank guys emps that are literally just in the map that you have to go and destroy and that that kind of proves my point doesn't it that when they want to make something hard, what do they do? They put their finger on your abilities and they say, nope, can't do this. Nope, this is shut down right now. So they're well aware and they know that a lot of your power and your efficiency is derived from your abilities. And they know this by the sheer fact that when they want to make something more difficult, that's exactly what they take away from you. And so, because there were grenades that did it, there were explosions that did it, and then there were like like actual like EMP stands on the map that took away your you know your abilities. And so that means they're very they're very in tune with the fact that those abilities are influential. This is why I think abilities should be far more pronounced, or at the very least, if there's EMPs around, can someone be equipped? We don't know. Maybe the pulse gets an upgrade that helps with this, right? Maybe the pulse can get an EMP jammer and he backs up out of the range of the EMP. He pulses and it could it could temporarily jam the close by EMPs. I am speculating, by the way, but what I'm saying is the 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 presence, the presence and the influence of abilities is a way to make this game stand out instead of feeling like I'm in cover and shooting guns 90% of the time. So those concerns are totally valid, and I really think Yubi should have really tuned in and listened to that from Div 1 more than just instead of just saying, oh well we've, we, we, we heard everybody on the sponge factor, we lowered the sponge factor factor, I don't think that's nuanced enough, I think you need to go farther than that don't just make the enemies less spongy, here's a great view of the map by the way um, don't just make the enemies less spongy let me let me have more power. Let me have more freedom. Let me have more choice. Thank you, Sticky Zippa, for ten months. Banshee, double down uh, on Star Panda's question. What's the difference about Div One from Div Two? For me, the most noticeable difference was both the aesthetics and the pacing of combat being quickened by the quick, the, the faster TTK. We didn't get into the abilities right? They're not going to let you play. Here's every single ability, but we did get to play the specialists and the specialists felt cool and they did feel influential. They had augmented abilities. The, the artillery turret sucked. Again, if I'm grinding to the end game and I'm picking the guy with the grenade launcher and he gets an augmented turret that becomes an artillery turret, I think that thing should be shooting automatic. It should be shooting little seeker rockets like Iron Man uses in the movie where he's like, he's like, guys, let's talk about this. And his little rockets come up and it tracks a bunch of guys. And it's like, and like shoots out and tracks them. I think that that would be more fitting for the artillery turret. I had to like tell it where to shoot and it kept missing. It was, it was horrible. It was an awful ability. And that's my reward for getting a specialization, by the way. I get that I get that on the turret. See, that's what I'm saying is there should be a clear, distinct 
moment when abilities have been invested in, leveled up, or you know, made made stronger. Because Div One to Div Two, I don't know if the aesthetic differences. I think a lot of people are going to hit the ground and be like, the game looks so cool and so bright and vibrant, and wow, people are dying really fast. I think that's going to bring a lot of people in to try it out. What's going to turn people off is when they get into harder content and they feel like they're just playing crouching simulator where they're just crouched behind a wall and waiting for their ability to cool down or slowly shooting at tanky enemies that's when people will feel like almost like there's like a betrayal happening it's like wait a minute i got in here it was saucy things were moving things felt cool i felt good i was getting loot and now you're turning up the difficulty and i'm back in you know crouching agent hidden hidden division like whatever you want to call it like i'm just constantly crouching and hiding like that i think really really hurts hurts the that transition into endgame for a lot of people. Digital Marine. What are your thoughts in regards to the DZ changes? Amount of players going road, ETC. I don't know enough about this. I need to do my own research. Maybe watch a video. I didn't experience it. I found the DZ in Division 1 to be universally and persistently terrible. Um, so I just never had a desire to go in there. It was terrible at launch. It never seemed to get any better. Uh, even in the late stages during 1.8, all I ever saw was people complaining about it, and it was just a, like a griefing, trollish nightmare. Apparently, they've made that a lot of that basically impossible. So I've heard that what made, what made everybody hate the DZ in Division One has been dealt with. That gives me some interest, but I'm just I'm I'm rarely interested in the PvP aspect of these games. I wanna I wanna loot the shoots. That's what I wanna do. I wanna loot and and get the shoots. That's what I like. Pan fried noodle. Would Division 2 be good for someone who is just starting out? I mean, if you're just starting out in these types of games, I think there's a lot of min-maxing. I think min-maxing is tough. I think min-maxing is is daunting. There's numbers, there's you know awareness of all the different things that you're what is this? Okay, this piece affects this and this and this and this. I think there's there's a bit of a learning curve in games like division now you can play this game and probably just play through the campaign and very simplistically just equip stuff when you see green arrows right oh green arrows this is higher this is better equip that oh this gun's got green arrows this is stronger this is better now obviously you have to understand the relationship between like rpm and damage so the 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 rounds per minute is important you see some big high number and you're like, oh, look how much stronger this is. And then it's a sniper rifle. Well, you need to pay the frick attention. You can't just be that. You can't like turn your brain off. But I think that I think that if you just play solely based on pretty much everything you get, equip it if it's a green arrow, don't worry about min-maxing initially. You can have a pretty good time. If the game hooks you, then you could start to really say, okay, I'm going to get into the end game. I'm going to chase gear sets. I'm going to min-max. I'm going to look to get these abilities and these things buffed and these things turned up because this is what I've really decided I really like. A lot of that, again, is just gonna only going to happen. You're not going to care about min-maxing unless you become a fan of the game. So I wouldn't even worry about the min-maxing aspect of it. I would just play the game, get the loot, and see if it's if it's winsome enough to hook you. If it hooks you, then you're going to care about the late-game investment paths. Terrell Dean. How much did they seem to change in the beta compared to the first game, or did they stick with the old formula? I've answered this question enough today about what's changed and what felt different. 
Polyphony. How do you feel about the healing changes to armor kits that cannot be quick healed or done in motion? I think it is a good change. I didn't play enough late game division one to know what exactly this is really solving. I think it's a dark zone issue, uh, probably a survival PVP issue as well. Um, that changes the way that you engage in healing. I also think that I liked being able to have basically two health bars. And so I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool how I could, I, I could like put my armor back up. And once my armor was all the way gone, you know, I had a little bit of extra chance to kind of get away. Like my health started going down. I don't know. I thought it gave some, it, it gave some ground to why can I take so many bullets? Your initial damage is your armor. And then after all your armor has been shot to crap, you are going to start taking real actual damage. And then you have to like repair your armor. Sorry about the stomping above me. My kids are, um, it's get, we're getting cl- the closer we get to dinner time, the more of a zoo my home becomes. And it's a good thing. I love all of the excitement and running around, but usually we don't do Q and a this late in the day. And that's why, uh, Drachnir, why do you think the division two feels so different compared to D one? I tried playing it, but it felt so off. I'm not really sure what you're talking about. I felt good. I felt crisp. Um, server side issues might have caused some clunkiness, but I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, Bully says, What is your opinion about m- games in general now? It looks like everyone wants to milk everyone. Remember Borderlands, the best co op game with tons of content, uh, and it was handled well. These days, game wants you to pay for something that should be in the game instantly. Um, I feel like you're getting at the heart of a monetization question and it's more than a monetization question this is a a profitable question how can games be profitable all right what can they do to create a game that's got the good loop but then adds content at a reasonable price i'm going to kind of push back on what you're saying and use borderlands as an example when they sold the headhunter packs for ten dollars a piece it was like one area and one boss fight, okay? For $10 a piece. A lot of games are adding way more than that for less money. I, I, Destiny's an example with their annual pass. $12 of the annual pass, you know, 35 bucks. The Black Armory represents about 12 bucks of the annual pass, 12 or $13. And that 12 or $13 gets you significantly more than the $10 headhunter packs that you got in Borderlands. Now, I'm not knocking Borderlands, but I'm saying, as a comparison, I feel like a lot of these monetization choices and the way that they kind of trickle out the content actually, in my opinion, is a huge value win for the player. The amount of hours I've gotten from Destiny, the very, very easily seen amount of hours you'll be able to get from Division 2 and Anthem is enormous compared to other $60 video games. So the fact that Anthem's DLC model is that everything's free and you can pay to get, you know, cosmetics earlier than earning them in the game. You don't have to pay for them if you don't want to. Division has a year pass that you can pay for that you don't have to pay for, but if you do, it comes with perks and early access to all their DLCs. 
all their all their content ads for the first year as far as i understand it are free of charge and the annual pass gets you benefits and perks so again that is a volitional incentive you can pay that money if you want if you don't want to you don't have to the volitional and free choices of other players is subsidizing free content for others this model will start to take hold and be more popular if it works so if this starts to work for anthem and division you're going to start to see similar models come out this idea that they're just trying to get you to pay for things that quote unquote should be in the game instantly i think comes from a place of entitlement i don't want to talk down to you make you sound like some whiny millennial it's like it quote i think entitled gets thrown around a lot so i don't want to talk to you like you're being entitled but this is an entitled perspective isn't it to say well it should be in the game i I spent 60 i should get it well why why can't companies space out their development bandwidth and their development abilities and space out what they build and what they deliver so that you keep playing they maintain revenue streams those maintain revenue streams help pay for the the, the development bandwidth and the, and the deliverable schedules and the timelines and the deadlines and the employees and the all those things are being paid for by a, a, a delivery of content that isn't that isn't all up front what is gained by being demanding and pounding your fist in your hand and saying i should get all this content for sixty dollars why who the frick are you what how did you determine you deserve everything for 60 how did you determine that you deserve everything out of the gate for 60 there are there are plenty of projects and plenty of companies that never see the light of day and you don't get entitled to those projects and those content ads just because you spent 60 bucks up front for their game that's, that's that's true of many many games so i i think this new service model will work as long as people understand the value you're getting is unbelievable compared to other forms of digital entertainment the, you know the price of movies and music albums and video games you get $60 for a a game like let's say Spider-Man or God of War. Those were huge games with really, really great value, really, really great great playthroughs. Are you going to play Spider-Man or God of War for a couple hundred hours? Probably not. 50 at most. I mean, I think Assassin's Creed Odyssey was another triumph of tons of gameplay for the 60, but those are those are exceptions, and even those you're not going to get into the hundreds of hours, I wouldn't think. You're going to get into the maybe, maybe if you really are hardcore, 50, 50, 60 something hours. After that, you're done. And then we'll look at a game like Division, Anthem, or Destiny 2. We'll pour hundreds of hours in for 60, and then claim that well, that that's BS that they're charging for this, or that's BS that they're charging for that. There should be, we should get that content. It's just the value transmission is unbelievably generous for these games in in many in many respects. As soon as you start comparing it to other games, oh, you can't compare other games. Yes, you can, and I will. Sixty dollars for Tomb Raider and sixty dollars for Division Two. I mean claiming that they shouldn't space things out or charge money for content later on I just think is ludicrous in light of what other games typically give you for 60 uh, next question from Gladitron uh, what did you think about the TTK and the beta? I loved it I love that people died at a reasonable pace I thought it was good Dark Prophet, the Division made a big rebound towards the end of its life cycle. Do you think that the Division 2 will do better within its first two months than its predecessor, or do you see it falling short in a matter of months? 
Well, first off, I think they're way more confident in their endgame because they let us play it. Second of all, second off, I think the endgame played a whole lot better than the first time I stepped into Division 1's endgame. Division 1's endgame was one of the stupidest things I've ever played. I literally pulled up one of my kids' books, and I was reading a book to stream because we literally had to all stack up on a doorway and all put down healing things and slowly shoot the enemies. It was one of the worst designed pieces of end game like gradual like raise the difficulty content it was one of the worst things i've ever seen it was horrendously bad and already i can see they're way more confident in their end game than they were in div div one it was awful how bad it was the first yeah it wasn't even an incursion it was just a challenge we went to this challenge and all four of us couldn't get through the door Two people were on the door, and the other two people, if you pushed the door, you died. So I literally was on the stairs, and they're like, no, you can't push through this door. You have to wait. I got. I picked up one of my kids' books and read it to stream. I was like, this is awful. This is awful. And the first DLC was supposed to make the endgame significantly better, and it made it worse. So they, they Division 1 was in bad, bad shape in the postgame. And I think this one's going to be in much better shape already out of the gate because they literally let us play a piece of the content and I thought it felt pretty good. I had criticisms. I'll talk about that in a second uh, in a second video. Yeah, it was the Lexington Event Center. I remember that. Yeah, Harry was in that group. It was, he was in that group and it was ludicrous. It was ludicrous. W. Brooks. What were your thoughts on the endgame content when choosing a, 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 a premiere character I think is what you mean to say a premise character was it challenging enough as a player or did it leave you feeling like you accomplished something overall do you have any concerns about division 2 ending up like division 1 losing interest after maxing out right okay here's the thing once you get your specialist I I feel like you're going to feel pretty awesome if they create really really good paths for power okay so I want to be able to get my signature ammo back more rhythmically than, oh, you have to kill people in a certain way. No, there should be almost guaranteed signature ammo at certain intervals, okay? They sh- that, that, sh- that's, that should just be like a guaranteed rhythm of combat, signature ammo. Second, okay, I, I think that the ability should be showing up way more often because, no, it doesn't feel easy. It feels really tough, especially if you can't get your stuff back soon enough. So it's fine, Soul. I think um, I think he might have been talking about this question I'm answering right now. It's fine. So uh, to 100%, the newest Assassin's Creed took about 100 to 150 hours, right? But even that time splitter, to be fair, number one, that's anomalous. Number two, that's only if you want to 100% it. You got to ask the question: How much enjoyment are you getting from 100%ing Assassin's Creed Odyssey? How many samey missions are you doing? How much copy pasta is going on within the framework of Assassin's Creed maps where they're like, Bleh! they just spit activities on an area, and it's like I've done this mission 30 times already over there in that precinct, right? Or I'm sorry, that province. So. 100 to 150 hours, even if you were to do that, number one, you have to ask the question, how many people are going to do that? Number two, how much of enjoyment are you really getting from doing all the same activities? And number three, even once you hit 100 to 150, you're done. A lot of times in these games, you hit 100, you know, 100, 200 some hours, and you're still going months after that. You don't just suddenly put the game down. So, again, the point was in general the standard normative transmission of value in the gaming world is $60 for 50 hours or way less of activity 
in the game and you get significantly more than that in games like Division Anthem and Destiny like significantly I mean it dwarfs it it dwarfs those other games Venom have things changed with Bullet Sponge? Yes, they lowered the time to kill significantly. Wolf of Red. While I know the beta build is an older build, at most uh, uh, as most are, a lot of the community takes these things as being gospel, not the limited scope that it entails. Do you believe sometimes betas hurt more than help? Sometimes, especially when Endgame is what most are playing the game for. This is a really good question, and I think the prominence and the presence of betas right now is the answer to your question. I think it helps more than it hurts for a few reasons. Number one, consumer confidence in quality. The people that are invested, they're pre-ordering, they're, they're, they're invested in the game, they get to play it, and then they get communication from the developer that, yep, we acknowledge X, Y, and Z are happening, and that's going to be fixed and addressed in future content, Right? Also, it does another thing, which is free PR. Every single Twitch streamer, YouTuber, person in the world that's playing or talking about the game is putting Division 2 in the headlines for everyone to be like, oh, Division 2, I kind of forgot about Division 2. They can't pay to market every day and every week, but what they can do is, is launch a beta that does a couple of things. It helps them debug, it helps them server test, it helps give us con- you know, confidence in the game's quality and have a good time. I mean, I had a good time. It also gives confidence that like, hey, there's some issues, but we can get those fixed before launch. And it gets the word out on the game without paying for these giant marketing campaigns. You don't have to run ads for Division 2 on Twitch when every freaking streamer with a pulse that likes these style of games is playing it. So there's a there's a there's a multifaceted benefit that comes from these betas, and I think their presence is proof that it's that it is working and helpful. Venom. What's your favorite change so far? What was uh, your favorite thing they kept? I love that they lowered TTK the most. Time to kill being faster is a good thing. Uh, And the favorite thing that they kept is just the movement. Movement feels really good. Uh, Vaulting was even smoother, so you know what I mean? Why so much crap on the screen? Rex the Immersion? Uh, Because this is the way I run my content. If you don't like it, get the frick out. Saint Guardian. Did they revamp the character customization to be more like uh, Wildlands or similar to Division 1? I couldn't customize individual pieces of my character. I could only do the randomization. I don't like that at all. Like, in a way, in a, in a way that the, in a way of, in a way of like custom, it's a third person game. Like I can see my, I can see my character. I can see my character all the time. He's, he's interacting with NPCs. He should look the way I want him to look, not randomized, right? Oh, you're talking about the game. I've had people come in and criticize my layout. I'm like, dude, my layout's really pristine now for SNTR percents. You're talking about the game. I apologize. To a point, I agree with what you're saying, and I'll tell you why I agree with what he's saying about it breaking the immersion. Do you see the floating the floating thing next to my character with my, my bullets and all that information? There's a part of me that feels like that could be either smaller or maybe a little digital readout on my backpack or something like make it in, in embedded into the player like make the tech do you remember how in um dead space they showed your shield with like blue bars on your character i love that there was no hud um i think if the hud was interwoven into the character more that would have been a whole lot better so 
Sorry about that. I've had people come in and take shots at the content being like, why don't you have the gameplay full screen? That's what I thought you were saying. I didn't know you were actually talking about uh, the game itself, so I apologize. Uh, I'm not sure what... Begarrett says, which specialist was your favorite? The one with the grenade launcher. Loved him. Felt real, real saucy. And then the after that, the, the crossbow was dope. Death with the next question. Let me take a drink here. Are you concerned about the monetization system in Division 2? Compared to Anthem, we have a good idea what the system besides the exact prices. Well, the... I think their plan to say the annual delivery stuff is free, but if you want to pay for perks and early access, do it. I think that's a pretty good test to see what the response will be like. Right? Your stream looks great and the audio is great. Well, thank you. I, I think that's a pretty good test. I don't know how else they're monetizing. I don't. I don't know what they're selling. I, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I think Yubi's being very tight-lipped about what they will be selling, what the microtransactions will consist of, and you want to know why they're doing that. Because when you have any level of transparency about your micros, people just immediately criticize. Look at Anthem, right? I mean, look at how Apex Legends didn't let anybody know about their game until it launched because it has loot boxes. It has characters you can buy, and it probably would have gotten tons of criticism, and nobody would have given the game a shot. Instead, people give the game a pass. They give the game a pass because they're having a fun time and don't care. The same reason people give $20 skins in Fortnite a pass, because they're having a good time and they don't care. They just overlook it. So, it has loot boxes, yeah, but we don't know for what. We have no idea what the loot boxes in Division will be for. Uh, Asagatus says, While I was playing an endgame character last night, one of the things I ran into repeatedly was the enemy spamming drones that would knock me out of cover, repeatedly, to the point where it seemed like enemies could just spam their abilities endlessly. Do you think that is a perception problem, or just it feels badly to get knocked out of cover, and it made a bigger impression? No, I'm gonna talk about this in my endgame talk. I felt like some of the enemy's attacks were, were dumb, or broken. There were times where I was literally, at one point, I was behind a pillar, and this pillar was probably, I don't know, four foot by four foot. I mean, it's holding up the building, for crying out loud. It's like a classic, old-timey building. This giant pillar. I'm on the other side of the pillar, and the pillar was getting hit, and I was getting knocked back and taking damage. It was so dumb. It's like, what is the point of a cover-based shooter when the thickest, most stout form of cover is protecting me not at all? It was so stupid. The other thing that was happening... Some of those drone attacks, they'll say that there's like a there's something coming and like you think you know it's coming and you kind of look and you kinda, you don't see it, you don't see the flight path and then all of a sudden you have no health and you got hit by what seemed like fireworks out of nowhere. Other times I'd be able to hear, "Oh, they're sending out something." I'd peek out, I'd see it coming, I'd shoot it. So, I don't know if if they need to be better about the sound cues were there, but I think sometimes it could have been lag. Maybe the drones were just not, they were skipping animations because of server latency, and so you weren't getting sound cues, or you weren't getting the visual cues that they were on the way, and then all of a sudden, you were getting blown up. Because when I knew the drones were coming and could see them and shoot them, I liked that layer of combat of, keep those things back, or they're gonna push you and hurt you. I thought it was a good, a good 
it was a good pain point but there were times where I was in cover and suddenly had no health and armor and I had no idea what cop get me people like oh you got hit by a drone and I'm like the frick from where I didn't see or hear anything it just suddenly was blown up so Wolfhow games a follow up to my previous question even the ult weapon is counter intrusive counter intrusive uh, sniper ammo coming from a headshot but you have to run into danger to get said ammo do you think they don't know what to do with endgame in that regard okay I think you meant counterintuitive. I don't mind them saying if you want sniper ammo get a crit kill use your ha- pair up your sniper with a good a good rifle and get some crit kills okay um you want to get ammo back for your grenade launcher the only problem there is I think you needed explosive kills well, if you're not feeding me grenades, I'm going to become very starved. You know, I just, I never got any old ammo for my grenade launcher. And the crossbow was like status effects. Kill people who have status effects on them. I don't mind that as long as I'm empowered to do the things I need to do to get the, the ammo to drop. But I also think they've built a really good system of clearing a room, the room is tough it gets tougher as time goes on and then you're done, your armor refills and then there's an ammo box in between room A and room B okay, ammo boxes in between the rooms should give you two to three rounds of your signature ammo that's that's a change they need to make like right the frick now That like every room is its own encased fight with with enemies and challenges and and difficulty and if you're filling my signature ammo with some rhythm if that rhythm is in line with a whole new room with a whole new stuff it's not like you're going to run into the room like hey I got my signature ammo back I'm just going to blow the room up now I I know they might want to avoid people boomeranging back and hitting the ammo boxes so they'd have to code it so if you hit an ammo box more than once can't you go back to an ammo box I think you can you'd have to only be able to get your ult um, your signature ammo from each box one time maybe so that might not be easy for them to code but right now we just hit an ammo box whole new room whole new armored enemies whole new flow of combat and at this point it, whenever I talk, do my end game talk I'm going to have footage that clearly shows you I, I, can't, I have nothing for my signature ammo and I think it's, I think it's a failure in game design to, to never give you what matters most the, your ults in Anthem and your supers in Destiny are a perfect example. They come back on a regular basis and they have a presence. And I think that matters in a game like this. And your ultimate abilities in Division 1 came back automatically. Signature weapons should be no different. Rewarding people for intelligently getting good kills and constantly getting the ammo back I think is fine and good. I think that's a good thing. But I don't think it should be like that's the only way. It's Buddha Time says, do you feel like in a game like Division, they should have used the damage rates like in Wildlands, as in one bullet headshot kills uh, and two or three shot kills? I feel like this change would be better than spongy enemies. Well, see, at least in this game, it's sensible. Like when someone comes out that's really tanky, they are, they're slow moving. They've got armor that needs to be shot off. They even sometimes have like an armor rating and you have to break their armor first. And you have a similar... They've kind of unified the health system. You have an armor rating first, and then once... You just saw my armor refresh, right? Once the armor refreshes, then that's back up. Now your health's protected again. I actually don't know if you want to go to a system of like every... every, 
everything is headshotable. Everything is just a couple of body shots. You have to have armored enemies. You have to have majors and mini bosses and bosses that have some way of, of mitigating and not taking tons of damage. If all you have to do is headshot every enemy and every boss and every mini boss, the game would get really boring really, really fast. That's why I continue to say a way you, the, the developer is freed is freed up and empowered to really throw the book at me if you've given me abilities that can meet tanky enemies or enemies with certain mechanics or enemies with whatever like whatever the enemy has if if you really want to pile on the tanky nature of an enemy that's totally fine if you're empowering me as a player with abilities to meet that challenge I've given this example before in Rayman Legends and Ori and the Blind Forest. You're like, what do those have anything to do with this, Lono? The ever-present nature of checkpoints in Rayman Legends and the ability to put checkpoints anywhere in Ori and the Blind Forest enables those games to get harder and harder and harder. They can really throw the intensity at you. Why? You're not going to get worn out. The checkpoint's right the frick there. If you fail, jump right back in and try again. A good parallel here is you can really throw the book at me. You can really make it tough if I've got abilities and power regularly at my disposal instead of mostly guns and cover. They may not want the game to have that identity, but I think they're missing a huge opportunity, and I really hope they lean into the abilities and the and that th- that complementary nature of power more than they did in what I've felt so far. Jolly uh, Squidman. How was character customization in Div 1? It was basically the same as it is now. You push a button and it randomizes the character. It's super not that great. The Nubius. Especially because, again, you see your character. You see him interacting with NPCs. It's very disappointing. The Nubius. What changes would you make to the skills we were given in the demo? The drone's bombing run and the Seeker Mine airburst just didn't feel useful. They were slow and crap. Yeah. I mean, okay, so the bomb drop from the drone... I know they want to give you the ability to do a bombing run. Why not just let me target two or three enemies and he just goes on a bombing run? And if you chain them close together, if you if you if you right bumper a couple enemies that are in close succession, maybe the bombing run's more effective or something. Like he'll drop more bombs if he has to travel less distance. Create an intrinsic system of reward for intelligence. If you target three enemies that are super spaced out, the drone's going to follow them, boom. Follow them, boom. Follow them, boom. Well, you just got three bombs. But if you target three guys that are really close together and the bombing run can kind of be in, in, in one area, well, now you're going to get four or five bombs to drop out because you're spending less less of the, the drone's energy to do the bomb run. That automates the whole process. That's why the turret was so strong. It's automated. I don't have to think about it. I throw the dadgum thing down and it does its job. The seeker mine that went up into the air, the reason that thing sucks is it's slow and it doesn't follow the enemy. You target an area. Well, just like grenades on the ground, they see that thing coming and they leave that area. So there goes your stupid seeker mine, goes to an area where now nobody is, goes up in the air, causes an explosion, doesn't damage anybody. Again, why can't I target an enemy and it goes to where they are and the exposure, the explosion just goes off? It's not even a seeker mine when you do the one that jumps in the air. It just goes to an area. If it followed the person, again, you could be strategic. You could find a guy who's isolated and by himself and kind of learn rhythms of the AI and be like, well, if I target this guy, he's going to run from this thing and he may run over to his buddies and I'll get all of them. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, 
there, there are there are pieces of the abilities that just need complete like tweaked and they'll feel more influential and more fun and then just make their cooldowns not terrible so that they have a presence in the game that's more rhythmic Jacob, do you feel the state of, say, Anthem, Destiny, and Division has done well enough that they have all solidified their identity enough to flourish alongside of each other? Yes, I do. I think so. I think they are unique enough and different enough that they will not necessarily hurt the other, but can benefit from each other and complement each other, both for the gamers themselves as well for just idea sharing. I mean, I think there's things they could all learn from each other. The Jolly Squidman, wouldn't having a scroll wheel or something to use more than two skills? I really feel under-equipped just with Seeker Drone and Pulse. Uh, You could limit it back to two in the DZ and justify it by saying you need space to carry loot. See, now you're getting in a solution that would be better than maybe my solution. What if you could have four abilities equipped? And by the time you, you know, you use your first two abilities and you're like, okay, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now I got to use these other two and you use your other two abilities. And now that you've used those other two abilities, your first two are back, right? You see what I'm saying? So like the rhythm of combat's empowered. Oh, I, whenever I, whenever I use my first two, I've got my, I've got abilities three and four ready. I use abilities three and four. Well, now abilities one and two are available. I, my only concern there would be you don't want to completely override gun combat. That's why I say 50-50 would be a really, really good split where the gunplay is solid, strong guns feel influential, but your abilities are there for about half of the half of the presence of combat, you know? Can you work for these game developers as a customer liaison? That's what I'm doing right now! That's why I do this type of content. We can pass on this feedback and create a dialogue. I believe that there can be a really good symbiotic relationship between developers and, and gamers, and I believe that that's what happened with Division 1. They listen to the, communicate, the community. That's why I'm creating content like this for Destiny, Anthem, and Division, because I believe we are part of the equation. We are part of the future solution of making games better. We just have to lean into the right lanes and, and be respectful and give really good ideas. I think that's how these games improve. Uh, zero RSW. What kind of other game modes do you think uh, would do well in the Division 2 after its launch, i.e. Survival in Division 1? I'm telling you what, man. Division 1 Survival on that map with the Shrinking Blizzard, a BR mode. I know people are sick of BR. Dadgummit, that would have worked perfectly. The Shrinking Blizzard, you already had a mechanic to funnel people together. Oh, it would have been good. So, so good. I happen to think that this game could potentially be even better for a game mode like that because it's a little bit more open and you could turn it into a more it would feel a little bit like PUBG with abilities because of the third base you know cover mechanics and if the uh, you could use that like smoky gas stuff to kind of shrink the play field I don't know my only concern would be at this point is BR could become white noise everybody's doing BR unless yours is super unique it might not stand out so at, at a ground level survival could come back I loved that and then you know other game modes could come out too I think a protect the president mode could be really really fun where one person has like a pistol and the other people have to use their abilities to protect and move them through you know hordes of enemies coming at them context of why these you know these these game modes exist would be tough to create I'd have to play the game a little bit more to come up with other ideas I haven't played it enough to to iterate on on things that they could do uh, initially I just think the loot grind is is really really uh, really solid 
JD Gamer, do you believe the Division 2 will end up like Division 1 before all the updates happen? No, no. They have made it very clear, I think through the private beta and the endgame sampling, they have made it very clear this game is an enormous step up from Division 1. As I already said with the question about the endgame, number one, they're clearly confident in their endgame to let us frickin' play it. Number two, it's a thousand times better than what I played in the endgame of Div 1. I mean, a thousand times better. And number three, they've been pretty transparent about this game is the culmination of all they learned from Div 1. So I think there's a lot of things to give you confidence that no, this game will not be like Division 1. This game is the answer to fans of Division. This is their this is their game, I think. This is a game for them. This is like Forsaken was for fans of Destiny. Uh, Ape the Non says... Ape the Non says, is the game still going to be peer-to-peer? That's not how you spell peer. Uh, If so, what is this going to do to PC community for this game? Okay, first of all, Division, as I understand it, is not peer-to-peer. That wouldn't work in these engagements and the sizes. Um, So I'm not sure what he means. Uh, Peer-to-peer is something that we use as a term for Destiny because there are no dedicated servers. Um... So this is this is this is a dedicated server game and so I don't think you need to have concerns about that. Really what your concern would be is, you know, server stability and making sure everything runs smooth. Jolly Squidman, do you think the Division 2 could have a zombie mod like R6 had an outbreak mode? I think the Tom Clancy game keeps that from happening. It has to be sort of in a real world because of the the licensing. I don't think they want to go into like a zombie world. I also think zombies are overdone. Um, now, could you do a horde mode? Um, maybe, you know, just with waves and waves of people coming. Again, what's the context for that? How how do you explain? Um, how do you explain why that's happening? Would be the big question. But I think they could do something like that. Yes, I don't know if zombies is the way to go though. So. At a ground level, I think the game feels better, looks better, runs better, and they let us see the end game, which gives me a lot of confidence in their confidence in their product, and I think that there's going to be, you know, good things to uh, to come from that. So, if you're enjoying this type of content and you're a fan of Division and you're here live right now, this is a live broadcast. I plan to do these type of talks and Q&A sessions even after Division launches. It's something I enjoy doing. I don't always have the game smaller like that i typically have it full screen but for these segments i shrink it down so we can have your questions on screen if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube you can always tune in live if you're here live right now stick around i'm not going anywhere but i want to do the outro for the podcast as always if you're listening or watching in other locations i greatly appreciate that please like share and subscribe